Hello, and welcome to Love to See It, a lovely show about shows about love that we love. To see. I'm Jo. And I'm Meg. And we're here to get real about sex, love and relationships through the medium of reality TV. We are housemates. We've been living together for a few months now. Yep. How are you today? I'm really well. I'm really good. I had some nice noodles for dinner. Went to work today. We're still in lockdown, which is an important context to provide for this podcast. So we've become very, very, very familiar. We've been over spending the past few months. every single day together, bar one or two. Mm-hmm. And those two days have been weird. How has that process been for you? Um, it's been interesting. You've been annoying to live with, Thank but lovely you to live with that. at the same time. I like to think I've been endearing, a little bit humorous along the way. You've definitely warped my sense of humour. I mean, something I've said to you multiple times is that my sense of humour has deteriorated. Rude. Having lived with you. It's not rude, I'm just telling you the truth. I also just wanted to let you know, I haven't told you this today. Today I ate some of the best chips I've ever eaten in my life. Where did you get them from? Uh, I went all the way to Lewisham. Why did you go to Lewisham to get chips? (laughs) So, (laughs) I had a tip-off. From who? So my boyfriend told me that there's an award-winning fish and chip shop in Ladywell. Mm-hmm. So I thought that um, today at some point I would make the journey to try and get these chips. Okay. Because we don't really have a good chippy near us and chippy chips are one of my favourite things in the world. Yeah. So I was planning on going in the afternoon and I was going to work up a real appetite for it. Can I just ask you before you continue, mm-hmm. how did you travel to Ladywell? It was by foot. By foot. So I knew that we were going to be filming the first episode of our podcast today. Okay. And I thought, I've got all of these podcasts pre down <laughs> Loaded on my Spotify. Yeah. So I'm going to consume a variety of media to find our right place in the mix. If I'm honest, the real motivation was the chips. You really made the most out of your journey outside. You're saying that you listen to not one, but like multiple podcasts on your way. So you really made, made the most of the process of leaving the house to the chippy and then back again mm-hmm. which really for me just says a lot about our ways of entertaining ourselves during this process of lockdown really making the most of our time outside <laughs> i think there's a lot to be said for the fact that today the highlight of my day was not this that we're doing right now it was the chips well <laughs> fucking what a wonderful star hey no come on like let's see how it turns out well i'm annoyed now so i can tell you how it's going for me <laughs> So Joe, can you tell me about what we were doing this time on Saturday? So it was a quiet day. It was a slow day for us in the house. It was. Although the kitchen was a little bit messy, I don't think either of us really had the energy no. to to clean that. There so were things uh, that we needed to do in the house that we actively did not want to do and chose not to do. And what did we do instead? So we thought that we'd descend into our basement, which is also where we're currently recording. Mm-hmm. We popped the projector on, popped a bit of Netflix on, and just thought that we watched some trash. What was mm. the show that we watched? We decided to watch Love is Blind. So Love is Blind is a new dating show. It was released this year, 2020, on Netflix. I believe it was me that suggested Love is Blind. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I suggested it is because it may not come as a surprise that I've heard quite a lot about this TV show from multiple people. But one thing I want to emphasise is that my emotions about watching it and my desire to watch it did not necessarily come from a place of excitement and reassurance and sort of faith that we were going to have a good time watching it because (laughs) always good because the way that it's been described to me is almost like not so much you should watch this as you have to see this i wasn't told much about what happened in the in the structure of it mm-hmm. I, I was just told that this thing was on netflix and it's a dating show and you have to watch it you have to watch it. you have to see it you have to see it Would with you like, say with like that... sort of wide eyes sort of like like portraying a concealed truth like like as in i have seen this thing i have i have processed this thing i now need you to watch this because i need you to understand what i felt when i was watching it like a and horrible pass the parcel yeah exactly god so how many people spoke to you about it and had you watched the trailer before i had not seen the trailer um i would say approximately 15 mixture of family and friends 
told me about this. A real cocktail of people. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the only thing really that bound all of their descriptions of it was just this, you have to watch it. Like, it's important that you see this. Mm. With this sort of solemn, you have to see this, this thing has occurred. How would you say that you felt? Because we've now watched episode one. It's funny that you say that people said that, oh, you have to see this. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I cannot say that I loved to see it. No. Do you know what no. I mean? I'm really not certain whether I love to see it or not. I really went through quite a lot of, not even emotional highs and lows, but emotional side to sides. It really sent me all kinds of places that I just... Sent you away. Really <laughs> yeeted you right back out of that basement. <laughs> Into the fucking stratosphere of every extreme of emotion it's possible to feel as a human being. But like, hey, it's important to dwell on that because after we finished the first episode, I think it's safe to say that we were reeling. We ended up speaking for more than an hour, like longer than the original episode, mm. about the original episode. It was out of that, mm-hmm. dear listener, that you find yourself <laughs> here listening to this podcast because we realised that this show and its genre, more generally, has like struck a chord with us. Would you say that's true? I, w- I would also say that what's currently happening now at this moment that we're speaking to you, dear listener, is the fact that we are still, still at this moment, multiple days later, continuing to process exactly what it is that we're feeling about this show mm-hmm. because that's what happened in the aftermath of watching episode one we, we spoke for five hours basically to try and work through every single confusing this kind of minute trauma that we just <laughs> collectively experienced and now we'll share forever we both checked ourselves into a therapy session with each other and this is kind still of going. what's happening now it's still going <laughs> So strap yourselves in uh, because this is the first in hopefully a long list of episodes where Megan and I will be watching one episode, usually the first episode of multiple different uh, dating shows, reality TV more generally. Mostly dating shows. So mostly reality TV shows about people forming relationships with each other. And I think it's easy to go into the genre with a lot of assumptions about what it is that you're going to see. You know, a lot of people might assume that it's going to be superficial, it's going to be trashy, it's going to be acted. But I think that at least what I want to explore in this podcast is kind of what it means to have successful relationships. This is something I've been thinking about a lot because a lot of what we're going to see explores what it means to have and form a successful connection with somebody. You know, a lot of the shows that we're going to be watching are gamified and stuff like that. And they really do explore the criteria for what it means to establish a successful connection with somebody. So, but also be a winner. And also be a winner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the question for us is, do we agree with the portrayals of success that we are being shown on these TV shows? And what can we learn for ourselves about relationships in our lives? Mm-hmm. The fundamental value of this is that, as our strapline suggests, these are shows about love that we love to see. Absolutely. Like, we really do love them. They make us feel highs and lows when we watch them. But also, we're approaching this from a context of being, like, queer individuals who like thinking and yes. feeling. <laughs> yes. And also really, really like interrogating portrayals of basically any kind of relationships especially within very very heteronormative contexts which is where we're going to find ourselves in the majority of shows that we're going to be watching on this podcast and over again (laughs) i'm glad to have got to a point in my own life where i really do enjoy watching reality tv Mm -hmm. i used to hate it i used to kind of think of it in terms of it being trashy and superficial and acted and stuff like that but i think that there is a lot to be gained from (laughs) putting way too much analysis onto these shows and exploring, as I said, like what it means mm-hmm. to yeah form a successful connection with somebody in the way that it's presented in reality TV. Because the, the impact that it has on people's perceptions of successful relationships in general is really important. These shows are everywhere and like I think do inform a lot of people's ideas about what it means to form successful relationships. And so I guess that's what I want to explore and how we can apply that to our own very, very queer lives, mm-hmm. I guess. Hundy P. I think that when we watch reality TV shows, <laughs> we're watching something that has been produced like it's been designed and somebody has sat in a room and thought of a concept to monetize basically Mm. and when that happens although like you're seeing real people and their real investments and their real interactions on this like search for their own personal love Mm. right what you're also seeing is tv and media Mm. reflect back to you those like basic structural values that define what a relationship is and what you should want and desire but also like how they themselves want to fuck with it for entertainment value and profit (laughs) 
So like, <laughs> once you have that like critical distance, once you can see the producers like ticking away and designing this show, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you immediately get to like view relationships in a much more critical way. Maybe you can begin to grasp towards some kind of queerer understanding of like how we live. It's there to be found and we're going to find it. Well, fingers crossed anyway. Normally when this show goes forward, we're going to be watching the first episode of a lot of different dating shows. And in doing so, we're going to comment like both on their content, but also their structure and what that does. But because we've already watched this first episode of Love is Blind, it remains for us to watch the second episode of Love is Blind. It does. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's let's just do, let's jump in. Let's Let's go. Okay, we made it. <laughs> just just take your breath. We just came straight off the back of episode one. I think we were braced and ready, right? The thing about a podcast is that you immediately need words to describe what you're going to talk about. And in my current state of mind, this is quite difficult because what we've just gone through was quite emotionally taxing. <laughs> um, and so I guess I'm still coming back down to earth, if you will. Love is Blind, as the title suggests, is um, a blind date show with a difference because whilst the contestants don't know um, who the other person is before they meet them, when they meet the contestants of the other gender, they still cannot see them. Yes. So they love to not see it. They love to not see it in a way that I've never seen before to an extent that I've never seen in real life you've never seen such a way of not seeing truly (laughs) were there 15 men and 15 women that's true so there and what happens is these people enter what is described as a facility to take part in what is described as an experiment let us be clear their words not ours it's really driven home quite often that what we're watching play out in front of us is an experiment in a facility so just to bear in mind as we go forward uh, so what happens is uh, the men and the women live in separate facilities if you like and they are only joined by a single thin wall um, which is lined with pods on either side there's a kind of speed dating scenario where these people enter pods and the only way they can interact is by talking as if they're on the phone without phones yes so it's a completely oral experience even though the furniture admittedly is pretty lovely It's really nice. Yeah, you can't really fault that. So then they kind of work out who they like and then they keep kind of coming back for more on these dates in which they continue to be unable to see each other. Meg, why do the producers think that's a good idea? The point is made by the producers that we we live in a society that um, (laughs) keeps us digitally engaged with each Mm -hmm. other quite often. So what's talked about quite a lot in the show is the amount that each contestant has been exposed to dating apps and through meeting other people via screens. And what's important about this is how this sort of habituates us to this culture of making judgments on people based on superficial traits. You know, you swipe right or left based on how much you like the face of the person who has just been presented to you by the algorithm. So the point of this show is deliberately to remove that variable from the process of getting to know another person and seeing what happens when you are in an interaction with somebody in a situation where you're meeting someone new for the first time wanting to form relationships but are prevented from making judgments based on physical appearance exactly and the contestants they bloody love this idea and they talk about the ways in which they won't be judged on how they look and how that's going to be really freeing for them how they're not going to be judged on their height their earnings potential their race or ethnicity and all of these other things and i just want to say straight off the bat they're all fit they are beautiful to the point where joe i don't know if you noticed this but almost every single woman on this show has the same haircut (laughs) what the middle part in the curls so just to describe every (laughs) single woman who we're introduced to on this show has I would say waist length hair, middle parting, different colours, so like there's a bit of variation there, but middle parting, waist length, and they do this thing where they've curled it about two thirds of the way from the top to the bottom. Some of them are wearing hair extensions to achieve this look. They all look great. They're all really, really fit, like really conventionally attractive. Conventionally attractive in almost exactly the same ways. It's so true. And all of the men have a short back and sides swept over to one side of their face. The most of them have 
stubble of some description and they all wear shirts yeah and they're all fucking ripped as well like they all go to the gym but don't worry guys because they actually can't see each other they actually can't no judgments here no matter how conventionally beautiful they look they can't make judgments about each other based on this Mm -hmm. so so it's all good so another element of the show is that we've spoken about how they're essentially locked in their own personal experiment or facility which kind of brings in this element of like creepiness to the show that maybe the producers did not envisage but it only gets creepier from there because there's only one way that they can leave the facility which is marriage the only way they get out is by falling in love and proposing so that upon engagement they can leave the show so engagement is a long way to go yeah but as we've already said there's like 30 contestants there's like 15 on each side yeah so what happens then well so every contestant spends the majority of their day going on dates that means that every single person has 14 (laughs) other people to go on this, I would say, relentless process of dating and interaction and getting to know them. The only way for them to get out of this relentless cycle of labour, labor, <laughs> dating as labour, is to pick one of these people to marry without ever really being in a situation where they're permitted to form a connection based on any real life Mm -hmm. setup Mm -hmm. that would be available to either of us. There's so much that is deprived of these contestants through the setup that is provided in this show. It's not just the fact that they can't see each other. I mean, at one point we were trying to guess how long each of their dates... Yeah, we were doing some reverse maths, weren't we? Yeah, because at one point, I mean, this is a bit of a tangent, but at one point one of the contestants says on one of their dates that they've already been on eight no 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 four they had four hours that's what she said she'd already done four hours of dates in the day already done four hours of dates so she was past her she was in her fifth hour Mm -hmm. dating she was either on form or like pissed yeah you know those are the only two ways you're going to get through the day yeah absolutely and you know i find it so weird at the start of this this second episode i actually wrote a note of some of the words that they use to describe uh, this show and so facility as we've already said another person called it a factory right <laughs> which just makes me feel like the people in this show are like drones they're like clocking in and clocking out of these yeah. pods there's, there's no downtime for them later on in the episode right somebody says i'm so excited for this guy to meet you know this shell like there's this shell of my body that he hasn't yet encountered because all he's been doing is focusing on lol what's inside so then i just wrote in brackets are they robots why are they subjecting themselves to this surely they know going into it that it's going to be very hard work they're going to be deprived of quite a lot in my mind i keep coming back to the word faith or like belief that they have. And it's belief in a few different things that enable the whole concept of this show to work. And I do believe that it's unique to the people who've come on this show that they have this capacity for faith. What they have faith in is not only that the premise of the show will work, that they are likely to form better connections with people without the ability to see them Mm -hmm. or to be seen as well. They also, the amount of faith that they have in the institution of marriage itself and becoming a spouse is like nothing I've ever seen before. I haven't managed to find out an awful lot about most people that we've seen. The one thing that I have managed to find out is... That they love marriage. they fucking love the institution of marriage because so often what they will talk about with these people is what do you want in a wife what do you want in a husband these are some things that i want in my spouse are you are you that can you fulfill this brief if the person fits this other person's ideal of what they want in their spouse then they get married bang sorted you win get out of the house yeah And it's like, of course they're talking about marriage all the time. The only way that they can progress through the plot of the dating show and end up with what the dating show has effectively promised them to begin with is by pandering to the institution of marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Or just reinforcing to them at every single opportunity that they will meet their husband. This will only end if you get married. No, 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 but it's not even that. It's, It's not even that this will only end if you get married. It's that this will end at the point at which you find your wife or husband Mm -hmm. because one of these people will become your wife or husband there is no doubt on any part of these contestants 
at any point that the formula of this show will work. That's what I find astounding. <laughs> that there's been no discussion. I mean, granted, we're only two episodes in, but you would be amazed at the amount of ground and the speed with which we have run into some very, very significant connections. Well, in ju- just commas. quickly, how many days... So we've just finished episode two. Mm-hmm. How many days have they been in the facility? I want to say nine days. Nine days. Is it nine? I think so. And by day six, we had our first proposal. Yeah. So the first episode covered days one to six. I do want to say that at every point in the show that a day goes by that we're told in subtitles, we're also told the relative amount of time until these contestants' wedding days. So if this is being reinforced to us quite so often as viewers, I can only imagine how often this deadline is being hammered into these contestants at every single opportunity. Joe, would you like to give a brief synopsis of the most important developments that occur in episode one? <laughs> so, I mean, we begin with the the aforementioned speed dating section where mm-hmm. they all kind of mix and mingle with each other and actively make notes on their conversations whilst they have them. That's fair enough. I feel like we allowed that to happen quite easily. Yeah. Uh, the next thing that happened is that people began forming favourites and then seeing them regularly. Uh, we are uh, introduced to the character of Cameron, who uh, by the end of the show had acquired a great nickname from Meg. <laughs> porridge man (laughs) (laughs) let me explain one of the defining characteristics of Cameron to me was the sheer gaping void of personality that seemed to be (laughs) at the at the heart of his character I literally I've seen him in two episodes now and he's been given quite a lot of airtime and I really can't tell you anything about this man apart from his name and what he looks like I can actually tell you something extra what's that it's really important that you know that he's not like other guys because actually although he's a scientist he used to be a firefighter Uh, he's had a hard time of it, hasn't he? Oh, he's been through. Oh, he's been through the he wars. He has been misunderstood. I just think it's interesting that somebody so generic can possibly say, "I understand what it's like to be different and unusual and quirky and dare I say marginalised," because he's had two hypermasculine jobs. What oppression have you experienced in your life, dude? Like, who has put you down? No one. Who's given you a hard time with anything you wanted to achieve in your life? Not the person on the other side of the pod, because she is head over heels. That's for, for fucking this man. sure. <laughs> Something else that has struck me time and time again in the only two episodes that we've watched so far is um, the lack of depth in conversations about struggle. That is so true. The lack, like the sheer shallowness. And I really wanted this show to not be shallow. You know, I really went in thinking, wow, maybe these people are going to learn a lot about each other. Maybe they're going to have opportunities to have conversations about their lives that they might be too inhibited to have, Mm -hmm. say, on a normal first date. And to be honest, that's the premise of the show. Like the fact that they can't see each other means that they cannot be shallow. We've had conversations about divorce. We've had conversations about abortions. We've had conversations about well we, we've had i want to say conversations but we've had more than that is references because what will happen is one person will say i've gone through this slightly difficult thing in my life and often it won't go further than mentioning the word say divorce and then the other person will go wow that's amazing because that's happened to me and then we'll cut to the diary room what the individual will say is something along the lines of i just can't believe the connection that i'm making with this person like i feel like they're listening to to me in a way that I've never been listened to before and it just feels so amazing to be listened to and to be seen and to be heard and I've gone through so many struggles in my life and it just feels amazing to have somebody listen to those struggles and accept me for who I am for someone to listen to me (laughs) (laughs) and they just don't all they mention is like words the threshold of significance for these connections is so low so low like way down they don't really have time i think to do more than the bare minimum in making these connections and making these sort of verbal gestures of commitment and and interest and stuff like that there was one moment where somebody today so one of the men today was talking about uh again what he wants in a spouse (laughs) he said to the woman he was talking to i want someone to walk by my side and she said i love that and then it cut to the diary room as she was talking about the connection that she'd made with this man. The degree to which these women are willing to accept the bare minimum in terms of gestures of commitment from these men is just astounding to me. And again, they're willing to do this because of the faith that they have in the institution of the show, the experiment that they name themselves to be in time and time again, and 
the institution of marriage itself. It always like, comes back to tying that knot. That's the power. That... Also, I just love how eloquently you put that because would you like to know what I wrote in my notes? <laughs> what did you put? This is breadcrumb city. <laughs> Just crumbing, just bread crumbing. Those men doing the minimum. Yeah. And people just eating it up. They can't get enough of the bare minimum and like, from these men. It's so true because, do you know what I wrote directly before that on a related note? What was that? I said, this is the drama school of connection. It's like these people have come Ooh. in with their like complex trauma, the way that they've lived their lives and like what they want for the future. The show goes, no. And essentially breaks you down, builds you back up in a way that's like built for success as that success is described to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I also want to briefly talk about a topic that came to me as I was watching this episode. I was thinking about monogamy quite a lot. I don't actually think it occurred to me that. I think I was thinking of other things, but please. So let me tell you why I was thinking about monogamy. In this episode, we had quite a lot of drama. The drama centred around one central figure by the name of Jessica. Now, Jessica had a bit of a hard time in this episode because Jessica is quite desirable and is particularly desirable to two men who she's met so far. What do you think makes her um, desirable considering that like they've only had conversations? It's hard to say because we don't know what those conversations even really consisted of because we really they're get given so, so little, vapid and superficial. Did you have any thoughts on it? Or? Uh, I, well, it really, <laughs> the reason that I asked is because I don't have any thoughts. <laughs> so we take it as read that she's formed two connections so Jessica was having a hard time because one of the men that she quite fancies is also being desired by quite a lot of women. He's finding it hard to make a decision about who he thinks he's going to marry. My heart went out to him today. He's just such a fuckboy. He is a fuckboy. And I think he knows he's a bit of a fuckboy. There's three women who he really quite likes. He's formed connections with all three of them. Connection. Connection. But it's very clear when you look into his eyes, he's quite stressed about the fact that he has to pick one of them to marry but it's very clear to me that it's not only the fact that you have to find someone to marry you have to form one monogamous committed connection as fast as possible because this is your way out of the prison of the prison that you're in (laughs) or the school which one is it yeah so like even before you get even before you get engaged what is paramount for people participating in this is not to form multiple connections with people it's not really to have a good time talking to multiple people who you might have different levels of connection with Mm -hmm. the most paramount thing to achieve is to identify that one person who you connect with the most and are therefore going to marry as fast as humanly possible. Maintaining options is not an option. It's not an option. I mean, I I just think they're robots. I don't know. I mean, they were getting quite emotional today. There were a lot of tears today. There was a, quite a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. You know, Jessica was stressed because she had to dump Mark, is it? Mark, isn't it? This show has got us got. Honestly, she had to dump Mark because she believed that Burnett. I'm <laughs> to look at my notes. I can't remember the notes. <laughs> because she was convinced that Burnett was going to propose to her, and then Burnett said something to her that made her convinced that he wasn't going to propose to her. So then she had to go back to her previous options again to find that one connection that is like the most significant, deepest. Mm. And she had to go back to Mark and she had to do that almost immediately because it's not an option to float around and have a good time talking to strangers. That is so true. It's like she was having a nice time talking to two guys, Mm. literally two guys. And she had what? Eight days to do that. And for her, the idea of leaving the show, she said it would be life shattering. Right. Was that her word? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The rhetoric was high. And it's like, oh, hun, like. It's been eight days. These are two guys that you have literally never, like, you've never met. I just want to say to her, like, you can take your time. But obviously she doesn't want to. No. And in the remit of the show, her immediate reality, she actually cannot take the time. And isn't it weird that, like, because they are locked in this facility, it's almost as if their life has been suspended. And the only moment that it will be, like, that they will be put back into their life as it was before is on a completely different trajectory and timeline to the one that they entered. Yeah, yeah. So they're in this kind of like... Through a wormhole or a time loop Yeah, they're they're in the wormhole. Yeah. There's no going back. Yeah. They've been put in this experiment that literally forces them to form monogamous, committed, 
lifelong relationships in conditions that are about as removed from reality as it's possible to manufacture. Would How? you say that's true? <laughs> and then they have to translate those relationships back into the real world in the context of lifelong marriage. To me, that's the most terrifying thing. I can't understand why anybody would want to subject themselves to this. Maybe this does result in long-term marriages. I would like to hear that. I would be satisfied to hear that. I'd be, I'd be relieved for them i just don't have any faith that it's gonna work I, I wish i had the faith that they did quite honestly out of interest do you think you're gonna stick around until the final episode to find out i honestly don't know if i have the strength within me to continue to ride along this wave of anxiety and stress with all of these poor people may i am right there with you i really don't know i think at this point it, it would be good to formally transition to our next segment <laughs> I just think it's interesting that the challenge is to have a kind of more meta commentary on the episode. So to zoom out from the drama that we've just witnessed and the characters and to talk about maybe the themes that have emerged and the way that the show manipulates them. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. For example, I just think it's interesting that the show promises this like removal from all of these structural things <laughs> that could bar you from having a real connection with someone. So things like race and class and earnings potential and age. I just think it's interesting that it promises that, but in a way, actually what the contestants do is double back down on those things because they don't know them. Yes, I would agree. So the contestants often talk about what they imagine each other look like. And I can only imagine that that deprivation makes you more inclined to fill that gap with imagination, dare I say, stereotypes mm -hmm. i would say that the risk is actually quite high because it's not as though these things don't matter at all in relationships it's one thing to say that people rely too much on that and rely too much upon looks and stuff like that maybe that's true maybe that's not but i think to deprive somebody of it completely isn't going to make the thing itself matter less oh my god absolutely it's that thing of when people are deprived of experiences which they kind of like desire, what do they do? They fantasize about those experiences. When they're deprived of proper detail, that maybe they will get visually if they were to meet this person. When they're deprived of that detail of somebody that they are already invested in forming a relationship with, is it any surprise that they end up actually kind of talking about those things more? Exactly. And and let's not forget, um, everyone, I, I would say everyone who's who we meet in this show goes in wanting to get married. Not only wanting to get married, but having, I would say, quite rigid ideas of what it means to be the perfect wife or husband for me. You know, yeah. like we said before, they talk about what do you want in a husband? What do you want in a wife? And so to me, I can't help but imagine that in the conversations they have, there's a confirmation bias going on constantly in what we see in these interactions that these individuals have because what they're looking for is any possible bit of granular detail they can use to fill out the parameters of this ideal that they go into it already having mm -hmm. and it's... so is it any wonder that they get engaged to each other within days because again their thresholds for success and their criteria for what constitutes this person fulfilling that ideal of the perfect spouse that threshold is so low. Exactly. It's like the show literally deprives them of detail and it deprives them of the certainty of who their partner is. But you know what they've already all been deprived from in their own point of view? What's that? Marriage. Yes. <laughs> a spouse. <laughs> yes. A, a future that is intelligible and recognised by society. Yeah, and within a, a structure that is rigidly embedded in the societies in which they've brought up. In many ways, I guess, many of them can't see a future for themselves without getting married. Mm -hmm. You know, getting married as an endpoint is the most important thing, it seems to me, in, in all of these individuals' lives. So really, the individuals that they meet in this process of speed dating, it's not so much for them making successful connections, it's making a connection good enough to send them on this path towards marriage. Like, marriage itself seems to be the thing that is most important. Becoming a married person seems to be more important than getting married. 
to somebody who you will have a, a long-lasting, successful connection with. One of the things that I get from watching the show is the way that it promises to remove all of these societal labels that prevent us from getting to know people by showing that actually it's not about the kind of person that you're meeting, it's the relationship form that you're creating that's really most important. It actually means that all of these things that make us different are subordinated to that thing that could make us all the same. Yeah. Like the form of the relationship that could truly level us all, truly make us all equal, etc. The way that the show operates is not that it dismantles and questions structures of race or structures of gender. Yeah. What it is actually saying is those things don't matter yeah. <laughs> if you're married. <laughs> I don't know if we've said this yet, but men are the only people in this show who have the opportunity to propose or not. The women literally can't propose. Mm-hmm. From the men's perspective, it's not so much how much can I get over anything that makes you different to me. It's despite that, how far do you measure up to my really unhealthy view of what it means to be a perfect spouse? I.e. literally, no matter who you are, will you be willing to fulfil the ideal that I have for a wife that will serve my needs. Well, when you put it like that, I'm so. <laughs> I'm fucking not. <laughs> now we're going to come to a section of this show that we would like to call me. 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 Oh my god, me. Me. Oh, me. oh it's so me. Oh, at me next yeah. time. Me. Oh, drag me. Oh. <laughs> This is a portion of the show where we're going to try and find or try and identify who we have seen in our viewing experience that most resonates with our sense of identity as Me. individuals. Who we relate to the most. The, the relatability. Joe, who did you relate to today? So I'm hoping you related to someone, but if you didn't, that's okay. It's not that I related to somebody, but through somebody I saw an element of myself. And <laughs> I mentioned this to you at the time. <laughs> Basically, there is a... I was going to say a character. These are real-life people. There is a contestant called Damien. I remember who Damien is. And look, straight up, Damien was playing the game as it was supposed to be played. Like, he really wasn't putting a foot wrong. He very much already fit into, like, the kind of narrative arc that the producers had shown us in episode one. It wasn't anything that he did that really endeared me to him. It was literally because he looked a bit like my boyfriend. (laughs) Obviously, I clocked this and I said to you, like, oh, lol, I think Damien's quite attractive. And Meg was like, no, we have very different types. But regardless, because I noticed that I thought that Damien was aesthetically pleasing, bare minimum, (laughs) I was so able to excuse everything he did. (laughs) So I just feel like that me element was like, wow, I can really reject every single premise of this show because of the fact that I think that one contestant is aesthetically attractive. So was there anything that he did in particular that you found yourself excusing and then reflecting on? Damien got engaged, believe it or not, in this episode. And the fact that when he did it, he had essentially written his own personal movie finale (laughs) and just (laughs) recited that. And if that happened to me, I'd be saying, like, I, I would literally cut them off. So the scene involved props, it involved a long monologue, we had lots of different twists and turns in the plot that Damien had concocted. I feel like what we're supposed to be doing in that moment is really feeling like quite impressed by what he's doing and really being like, wow, this is quite an important gesture, you know, this is really more theatrical, more committed a proposal than any that we've seen so far. What I found myself doing was actually retreating so much mentally from what I was seeing that I almost had like an out-of-body experience. I could Run! see myself sat there on the sofa with this blank expression on my face just slowly just building up a wall you know at every everything that Damien tried to do to tug at my heartstrings I said no Damien you're not for me I don't appreciate what you're doing and I see through you and this is far too theatrical for me and I don't buy it and I won't be marrying you today Damien is what I said to myself Not today, darling. No. It's not for me. No. But, like, the thing is, is that everything he said, if I saw that written down, would hate it. When he was Don't like... Don't tell me you loved it. When he was like, ah, oh, this parcel I sent you, I was going to put a bow on it. 
And then I thought, no, I'm going to wear that bow. That bow's on my right wrist. I didn't understand because... why it was on his wrist. It was something Because <laughs> do... he was giving himself as a gift to this woman. Literally, my gift to you. Is me. <laughs> trying to know what came into my mind at the point at which I realised he was giving himself as a gift. <laughs> do you remember The Lonely Island? Oh, uh, were they a band? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, popular on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a song they did with Justin Timberlake called Dick in a Box? Damn a dick in a box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thinking of like literally giving yourself as a gift well hey if you zoom out maybe he was just a dick in a box well he's literally in a pod (laughs) so he gave her a box he said to janina i've been thinking about you and i've been thinking about all these different things that i could give you i wanted to give you a gift and i've been thinking about what i could give you and i put it all in a box and i sent it to you did you get the box and she goes yeah i got the box and he said open the box and she was like there's nothing in there and he was like well it's because i realized that i'm i'm waking up every morning and thinking about you i've been talking to my friends and family about you and i realized that i'm nothing without you and so i'm giving myself to you as a gift in the form of marriage (laughs) would you like to marry me (laughs) this proposal is all about me It's like Damien really said me. Damien really <laughs> said me. Damien did not say us. Damien said me. Can Let's... I tell you who I related to? Please. Who, who was your me? My me was actually Janina. Honey, look what we've done I know. here. <laughs> well, we, we really are a match made in heaven, oh, Meg. Truly. Let me tell you why. Maybe I've cheated in this because we saw a little bit of a spoiler for episode three and the reason why i saw myself reflected in janina at the end of episode two she really took her time with replying to damien and then she said i have something to tell you and what janina says to damien is i'm an independent woman i don't abide by the rules so i'm gonna get down on my knee and i'm gonna propose to you psych And she proposes to Damien and Damien cries. For me... A little bibbid Damien. He just, he's got all the feels. It's quite, it's quite a radical turning point, I would say, in the portrayals of staggeringly heteronormative relationship formation that we've seen so far. I've, I've, I've been searching for relatability so far and I've really been struggling to find it. But with Janina, I had a little bit of glimmer of hope that we might actually have a bit of autonomy and a bit of personality. Can I challenge you on this? Of course. So, like, essentially what happened is Janina entered the show looking for love. Yeah. In this proposal, she was shown that she has love. Yeah. She was shown that she has a way off the show. Yeah. Only then was she like, oh my God, no, I'm going to propose to you. <laughs> okay, but consider this. She, okay, she's voluntarily put herself into this, this facility, this experiment, let's not forget. <laughs> she knows going in that the men are the only ones who can set her free, really, from this prison that she's in. <laughs> she knows that she's going to be in rigidly gender segregated social spaces mm-hmm. every single day that she's in there. She knows that she's going to be restricted in terms of how far she can connect with the men who she's dating. There's a lot of barriers for her. And so I think for her, what she's really doing is working with the system, maybe trying to work against the system, but in the ways that are allowed to her in this setup. She knows that she can only do what she wants to do at the point at which she gets proposed to. And yet she's still willing to make a statement with these limited tools that are available to her to assert her autonomy as a woman, she still takes Mm. it. So what you're kind of saying is she's gone along with the show enough that she is able to, like, succeed in this first part of the show. She's able to leave. But not without being like, just you remember. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah. And she waits until she is successful in finding a man who wants to marry her because that's all she really has to do, you know, to get out. I guess for the women, it doesn't really matter so much about how much you want to marry the person who's proposing to you. What matters is that you get the men at least one man to a point at which he proposes to you and then you are free. Are you saying that Love is Blind is a feminist show? It might well be. (laughs) At least Janina, bless her heart, she made it feminist. (laughs) It was feminism that we witnessed today. (laughs) She's not quite willing to dismantle the system that she's trapped in, but Janina really said feminism today. And I listened to that and I related to it and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Well done. (laughs) So good. Joe, how queer is it? Is it queer? It's very straight. Look, 
Megan, just close your eyes for me. Okay. I want you just to reflect on what we've been talking about and how we have not been able to get the word marriage out of our mouth. I think that this show teaches us that marriage is a contract before it even becomes a possibility for people. Ooh, tell me more. Essentially what has happened was, and we see this in all the conversations that the contestants are having, these people, these heterosexual people Mm -hmm. are riddled with like trauma. Yep. And they have already themselves projected this onto the fact that they are unmarried. Yes. Right? So they enter into this show and they have to kind of preemptively play by the rules in order to ascend to marriage. You could see this as a thing where they're just like, they lack a legal recognition of their relationship. They end up gaining one. But the viewing experience is that they lack everything, they gain everything. Do you see what I mean? Yes. Although that's what the show promises them and gives them, I don't know if that's what the show promises the viewer. Does it promise the viewer anything? Maybe. Are we supposed to see the people on this show as role models? As in, are we supposed to take their experience as something that we can replicate in some way in our own lives to be in with a better shot of securing successful connections with people? Whether that means marriage or not, are we supposed to take them as role models? Or are we supposed to look at these people relentlessly pursuing marriage at any and all costs? Mm -hmm. And are we supposed to distance ourselves from them? I think think I've got it. Okay. You said, are we supposed to see these people doing X, Y, Z, right? The one thing that we have that they do not Mm -hmm. is that we can see them. They are in the act of being seen whilst looking at, metaphorically, but also maybe physically, a brick wall. We are watching their pursuit and seeing that it is futile. What they're actually seeing when they look at the wall is their belief in an institution and therefore themselves, their own personal desires, their own personal lacks. Mm. But what we as a viewer get from that is this kind of like position outside of the the contract of the show and by extension the contract of marriage. So what we're afforded, oh my God, what we're afforded <laughs> is a momentary freedom from marriage where we can see the institution more critically. And by virtue of the contestants being blind, we get a fuller idea of a love that could be. The love that could be between them in like a married state or the love that they could have in the real world were they not embarking on this ridiculous experiment. (laughs) We take the show to be a stand-in for the institution of marriage and we realise that what they're doing is fundamentally flawed Mm -hmm. because they're talking to a brick wall. Mm. What we're actually thinking is, what would their relationship be like outside of the constraints of a narrative that only leads to marriage? Yeah, which is really sad. It is sad. In a way, we can see all of the freedoms that are being denied them. When they talk about the experience that they're having, they talk about it in such unequivocally positive terms. Nobody makes any room to criticise, really, the framework for building relationships that they find themselves in. For mm. them, it's only, I would never have had this opportunity in real life. And we as viewers are like, yeah, you never would have had this opportunity in real life. But look at what you could have had instead. Right. We can imagine what you could have had and we can see the success or failure that you could have in any of these relationships even that you're having at the moment. But you're denied that. So what's going to happen to you? Because for them, every step in their relationship that takes them a step toward an engagement for them is not just a positive step in and of itself, but it's like a life-changing revelation. Yeah. That makes them see themselves differently. And it's like in between the two people in these pods, they have this light up wall, Mm. don't they? And it's like, hey, maybe that wall's a mirror. (laughs) Isn't well, I think it's a mirror, but it's also because they can't see the person on the other side. All they can see is what they can imagine. This space for their potential spouse to Mm -hmm. occupy. You know, I'm imagining like a silhouette of a person. All that they can do to will themselves forward on this path of progress towards engagement and marriage is by taking everything they can to fill up that silhouette Mm -hmm. until it's full enough for them to be like, well, this is a legit person that I could marry. Yeah, like this is the form of a person. Not just a person, but a person I can see myself with. So so what they're seeing is something that constitutes their sense of self, but their sense of self only as it exists with their ideal spouse. Mm-hmm. That's what's being built up all the time, which is sad. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make because when you're talking about, oh, I can build this form of a person um, and all of these other visual elements have been removed, 
essentially what the show does is it like treats race as if it's like subtractive it removes race and it kind of says now you have this freedom to like get to know a person without making judgments about them mm. so like for example lauren who ended up matching with cameron um is a black woman cameron was a white man when they actually saw each other after they had become engaged um in the pods she said like oh i genuinely didn't know that he was white and like and then she immediately started worrying about the size of her lips and it's like Although the show has the premise of subtracting race from its metric of attraction, and it says you don't need to um, acknowledge difference to be attracted to someone, what it's actually saying is, if you have an emotional connection, your physicality will be an additive element to that. Yeah. Which I kind of feel like is an anti-queer way of approaching relationships, because when we think of queer, we need to also be mindful of class, race, and other like structures that accentuate difference. So if it's saying that physicality is an additive to an emotional connection, what the show is saying is like love is colorblind. Love doesn't see race, which is stupid. <laughs> and queer love does and should see race and it should understand the differences that race entails or signifies. Mm. Lauren has a diary room bit where she narrates the process of meeting Cameron face to face and that this is the moment where their racial difference has been acknowledged between the two of them mm -hmm. and it's so sad to hear her talking about that in terms of the problems that it might raise later down the line race is introduced in episode two as a problem you know as a yeah. thing that divides them from the moment their relationship begins in the real world so like it could not be more obvious that the show has not eliminated the variable of racial difference if anything it has augmented mm -hmm. that difference but like as if it ever could so i think that although the show helps us realize the fact that marriage is one possible relationship form that like people can enter into it's also like one that is like mega constraining it's like actually ridiculous when it comes to offering people a love that is literally blind to any kind of like structuring of difference in society mm. which makes you question the foundation for love that is supposedly formed between these people mm -hmm. if it's a foundation that comes into immediate tension at the point at which you meet each other in real life what kind of love can these people say with confidence to be building in this setup, in the process of speed dating by pods that is so removed from reality? And I guess that's the question that the rest of the show is going to answer, is really how far can this love, in inverted commas, sustain itself in the real world? Mm. And... I don't know how optimistic I am about that. That's totally fair. Like, I guess we don't know what the show's going to do after the after episode two. Yeah. Right? Stepping away from the show, like, what is it that a queer love should do that maybe uh, a heteronormative love doesn't? Right? Because to me, it kind of seems like a queer love is more mindful of ways that your feelings and emotions and connections with other people can also simultaneously work towards like justice. Like the idea that you can love somebody not in spite of the things that make you different, but like the fact that your difference and your love can like work together to help you dismantle the systems that use your difference to oppress you. Queer love isn't even just about loving the differences that can exist between you and your partner. Queer love is about a relationship being something that forms a part of an individual process of learning about systems of oppression that are not just queer oppression, but mm. you know, oppression based on class, race, gender, ability. And I think queer relationships offer an opportunity to augment that process of individual learning and unlearning towards a broader project of liberation. If we wanted to use that word difference, like over and over again, the thing that like queer partnerships have is that both partners are already recognized by broader society and by power as different. Yeah. Both people have a pre-existing understanding of life as marginal. And because of that, both partners will always want to harness their power, their like, connection if you want to like use the horrible word that love is blind bands about <laughs> not to change that but to like reconcile that to like seek justice mm. in relation to that pre-existing sense of difference mm -hmm. <laughs> so 
you have kind of already thought of a way that we could begin to form a kind of leaderboard or make comparisons between the shows that we're going to watch I over have. the next weeks. I have. What I've developed here is a rating system based on four different categories. The first category is our whack rating. Mm-hmm. Wait, which whack. We... <laughs> How do you spell it that? It's W-A-C-K. Right, so like, ah, oh, that show is whack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> which we're going to use to determine how bizarre the concept alone is mm-hmm. so a whack racing of one would be normal something that you wouldn't question at all mm-hmm. something that you don't leave with any question marks in your mind about and then a whack racing of 10 would be the most bizarre thing you've ever seen in your life we're also going to rate feels racing so whether we leave it feeling warm and fuzzy to confused and angry oh, i want to feel warm and fuzzy i want to feel warm and fuzzy too don't i don't think i did this week our ethics rating is going to be from where we have absolutely zero concerns for the people participating in whatever we're watching oh so wait hold on how much are we worried about the contestants how concerned are we about the welfare of the people participating in what it is that we're watching do we think it's likely to do any lasting damage of any kind and then we have our queer rating where we're gonna rate how queer we think what we've seen is whether we think that it's surprisingly progressive or whether we think that it's doing active damage to queer liberation I'm going to give Love is Blind a whack rating of seven and a half, by which I mean, I find it to be bizarre on a macro level, but I find the ingredients that are put into it not as surprising and bizarre as you might expect. It's a it's a reality dating show. It's about marriage. It's very gender segregated. It involves very beautiful people. Mm. Going into it, it's not that bizarre to think about. I, I was surprised at how high your whack rating was. Really? I was going to give it a six. Because in a way, like, if we're taking wax to mean like, oh, how weird is the concept? I'm not surprised that people thought of this. It makes sense to me as a concept. Mm. I don't like it, but like, I know why people have set this up. And then if you add to that, like you were saying, the attractive people, the normative life stories, Mm -hmm. we actually get something that's not that whack at all. Should we settle on a seven? I think so. What's your feels rating, Joe? I mean, (laughs) literally start to finish, I thought I was watching a horror film. This show made me feel anxious <laughs> and I felt like as a viewer, I was complicit in a, in giving these contestants a future that I would not wish upon anyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like I was almost enabling what was happening in front of me by watching it. Yeah. Which also left me feeling anxious. However, there were some moments where my anxiety was alleviated and I felt what I can only describe as a rush of euphoria and when it security. Worked. And these were the moments where the couples met each other for the first time. Okay. So when they yeah. meet, you know, and you can see it, you, you, you can see the moment of relief in their eyes. And I don't doubt that in the process of of meeting each other they have formed some kind of connection and it must be lovely to you know have undergone over a week of being deprived of somebody's actual physical presence that you really really want and then that moment of relief where you get it and not only that but it being a moment where you're finally allowed to indulge in like physical gestures of attraction like embracing each other and stuff like that mm. that has to be a moment of proper physiological relief it so is cathartic you can see it? it in their eyes that it's this moment of joy for them and i felt like as a viewer i was suddenly lifted out of a sea of anxiety <laughs> that i'd been in for the whole viewing experience and i was really in this moment of relief with them so for me my feels rating would probably be eight because i was mostly anxious and angry mm. so, so is is 10 bad and zero good 10 is terror and anger and profound anxiety mm-hmm. and one is warm and fuzzy like you're being given a hug wait you said eight yeah yeah i think eight is fine yeah yeah i'm with you on that broadly i'm stressed and i'm stressed for their like long-term outcomes which brings us on to ethics. Because for e- I don't think, like, I need to say too much more. It really is a nine for me. I would go it so could far be a, as to it could say be a nine point five. Yeah. Because these people are on a track to entering into a legal contract with somebody who they have only formed a relationship with in... I would say, I mean, there's, there's an important word that's missing from the word experiment that's used so often to describe this and that is psychological because what we're witnessing is psychological experimentation and it makes me frankly grateful 
that divorce is permitted, an is an option. Because also consider this, I mean, there are real dangers to entering into legal married contracts with people who you actually really don't know that much about. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows who these people could be? You know, they could be legitimately dangerous. You don't know what the nature of that relationship is going to be like. There's quite real risks to people's potential long-term welfare going into these things that are not accounted for and are not allowed to be explored. So... I, I give it a nine point five. I guess so. We'll agree on nine point five. But my question is, why? Why does it exist? It, how has it been greenlit? I am still unsure how far these people can be said to be actors. Do you think that they're actual real individuals experiencing real emotions <sighs> at the point at which we see them? Because if they're not. Stop. That, for me, is what is the determinant of whether it's good TV or not. Because if they're actors, then it's great TV. Oh my god. No, because like... If they're real people, it's awful. The fact that you've even suggested the possibility that they could be actors reveals to me, in one clean motion, that maybe I'm the one that's like, believing in the show. Maybe I'm the (laughs) one who has this like, unbridled faith. And actually, it's a fucking fallacy. Maybe, maybe the real faith that we haven't talked about is our faith in reality TV as a whole, our willingness to believe that what we're seeing is real life. Because up until now, we haven't questioned it. Stop it. And right now, we just did. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know. Joe, what is your queer rating for this? So... I believe that this show is a five. I think that the viewing experience leads you to be critical from like the first 10 minutes of the show. It makes you think, fuck, this is weird. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's a show that like glorifies and fortifies marriage. I'm going to give this a six. So more on the side of damagingly re- regressive because I'm thinking about viewers of this show and what it's like to be a viewer of this show. Imagine that you're somebody who watches episode one, is entertained enough by it to continue watching it. Your enjoyment of the show as a viewer is determined by how far you believe, like the contestants, that marriage is the point of success. Does the show exist in a camp relation to marriage, where, like, everything is farcical? Ooh, it has to be. I don't know. I guess it all depends on how far you're convinced by the emotions that are expressed at the point at which marriage is occurring. I don't know. I, I don't know how much I would laugh at it failing. Because of the pain yeah. that, that would come after. Yeah. Well, depending on how convinced I am by how they experience it emotionally at the time. Yeah. No, I get so... you. I'll meet you at, at a six. Yeah. Here's what we'll do. We'll toss up the results of the rating system and uh, we're going to set up a kind of leaderboard on our social media mm-hmm. um, as we go forward through the season yeah. to kind of work out which is the most whack show, which is the most ethical show, or like which is the most anti-ethical yeah. show. We might do an awards ceremony, maybe. Would love that. Well, Meg, it seems well, that uh, we've come to the end of our first episode of the podcast. Do come back in a fortnight if you want to hear us talk about another show. We're currently thinking about uh, our second episode being on Too Hot to Handle. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be talking about something very different in that episode if everything goes to plan. Have you seen Too Hot to Handle? I literally... Like, no. Okay, neither have but I. I think that, like, with Too Hot to Handle, I'm in your, the shoes that you were in at the start of this episode where you yeah. it had been recommended to you quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And I just... I know. I know that if we watch it, I will have a visceral reaction. I know that you will. Oh, good. <laughs> Well, in that case, it's sorted. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Love to See It, a lovely show about shows about love that we love. To see. So we hope that you loved it. And if you did, be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast. Leave us a review, share with loved ones, do whatever you want. You can also follow us on Instagram at love to see it underscore podcast or on Twitter at love to see it underscore pod. If you don't fancy sliding into our DMs, you can send us an email at joeandmeglove to see it at gmail.com. And we're also on YouTube under you love to see it. Meg. It's been a pleasure and uh, I'm just really looking forward to doing this again sometime. I had a really good time.